Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hedrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 1618. Pride going before destruction. Hello, Truth Transistors. Welcome to episode 13 of my podcast. And this episode will be the first part of a series of apostasies. And uh, I'll call this one apostasy uh, church infiltration. And it's going to be an introduction to other uh, major apostasies. most of them are church apost- church uh, apostasies, but some of them go back before that. But it's any any uh, movement of God, or or I should say, um, organization set up by God that gets infiltrated by or apostatized by unrighteous people, and uh, that's kind of the basic idea of apostasy. But first, I'd like to riff a little bit about how I go about thinking, how I think through things. And it doesn't mean that I've come to a correct conclusion by any means. I mean, like that I'm right or that I've even settled in something. But let me give you an example of something uh, that could affect me, could cause me to change my mind about something that I have previously thought and so I grew up in a Christian home, and the, the churches that I have gone to, with the exception of one, um, are opposed to female leadership and, and preaching. And it's because of a passage in, in Colossians uh, 4, uh, I'm sorry, not Colossians, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, 34 and 35 and it and first of all let me just say that Christians don't come to this conclusion or I should say most of them because they are because they are sexist or or think less of women Uh, they come to this conclusion because the Bible is their authority for truth but the question is what is the Bible really does it really mean this and I you know uh but here's the verses that I'm going to bring up here. Uh, as, it, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. And if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Now, it mentions this law. And uh, I have not heard of any law in the Old Testament suggesting this, but um, I could be corrected if somebody could show me. Um, I've asked a couple of people at church about it, and they didn't, they haven't given me an Old Testament uh, reference to, to this. So which law is he referring to? Well, I found this website, and again, I'm not sure if this is true or if this is just... Uh, people trying to be politically correct or what so I want to find the truth here it's not an emotional um, I don't want to be led emotionally because personally I have no problems with a woman speaking you know in church like it's not it doesn't offend me it doesn't threaten me it doesn't you know none of that Um, in fact I'll quickly say that one of my favorite pastors is Roberta Morrison and I really recommend her stuff. Um, but at the same time, I want to be true to the scripture. And what does the scripture say here? Uh, does it mean, is that the really the point of the passage? Well, the question is, which law is he referring to? And according to this website that I read, he's referring to a Greco-Roman law. I've heard other people say that it was a Jewish law, like part of their tr- new traditions because there was a lot of 
uh, rabbi laws that have been built up over the years that weren't from scripture. They've just been added to scripture or whatever. And so those are two arguments that I've heard that suggest that women can speak in the church and they can be leaders in churches. And I would say that if if it was a Greco-Roman law that Paul was referring to, then the point that he was making was not that women shouldn't speak in church as much as it was that we should be in submission to, uh, what is the verse here? Um, but should be in submission as the law also says. And so is the question, uh, which law is he referring to? And then there's a lot of passages that talk about being uh, obedient to the governing authorities. In fact, Paul mentions this in another verse. And um, and perhaps that's the point he's actually making here is is being in submission to the laws that are in place as opposed to making this a law for the church. But I don't know if that's true or not. I'm, I'm just thinking through this. So um, this is just an example of how I go about thinking. I don't want to be dogmatic to the point where I don't even con- uh, give something a consideration or that I just push for that which I'm comfortable with, that which I was raised with, or what have you. Um, And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that in churches because they are afraid to step outside. They think they're apostatizing by stepping outside of what they've traditionally been taught. Now, I take the Bible seriously, and so I understand why a lot of churches do this or or say that women shouldn't speak in church because they're trying to be obedient to God as a you know as opposed to any biases um, that they have <clears throat> and the church that I grew up with are very respectful to women you know they're opposed to any kind of abuse they're opposed to um, you know just I mean they're not anti-women by any means there's a lot of respect for women and the women there are very uh happy uh, most of them i don't know <laughs> they seem to be uh and and a lot of the women i've talked to are also anti-women speaking in church because they want to be ob- obedient to god and the question is why and i've never really qu- quite understood i've heard some people say things like they're emotionally driven and I don't want to go go there. Um, but, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, there are, there are things that God says that maybe we just don't understand, but he has a reason. On the other hand, maybe we're misunderstanding the passage. And so I would suggest that if it is a Greco Roman law, as opposed to a, an old Testament law, um, in fact, if somebody can't point out in the Old Testament where it suggests that women should keep silence, uh, and I'll keep looking. Um, I haven't found it, but if I find it, then I will say, okay, this website was wrong, <laughs> and I will just move on. Um, but I think a lot of times people have a way of picking and choosing what they what verses they want to take out of context and, and run with as a, as a strict rule or law or commandment. Um, there's other churches that believe in keeping the Sabbath because of they, when you read the Ten Commandments, it seems to be very clear. Um, and I've kind of gone through this thinking myself, and there's a passage in the New Testament that says these are but types and shadows. So it clearly states that, and that's kind of why I don't think we're, we necessarily need to keep the Sabbath anymore, the way it's stated. Um, and then other people might look at a verse like, uh, women should have their heads covered and there's, you know, Mennonites and other types of denominations that actually women cover their heads with a cloth. And the church I go to doesn't take that verse to mean with cloth. I think they take it to mean, you know, like by a husband or, or whatever. Um, there's others that say it just means hair. I don't know. 
So it's it's not fair to take a a scripture and just run with it without digging into the context of it. So I kind of wonder about the, this topic now about uh, women teaching. And this is not necessarily a conclusion that I'm, I've jumped to, nor is it uh, emotionally driven. Um, it's just me trying to make an understanding out of something that could be that could explain something differently or could lead to a different conclusion. And also, if submission to authority is the main point, then I would suggest, and this is kind of weird coming from me, I would suggest that we should be, uh, maybe uh, be obedient to the mask laws, which, li- listen, politically and even I don't know that it's necessary. I don't, I'm not a big believer. I'm not really sure how bad it is. Um, I'm very comfortable going places without a mask if, if people around me are comfortable. Uh, I put it on to respect my friends um, and also to respect the rules when I enter a restaurant or a store. So I, I, uh, I think that we should be obedient to the government as long as the government doesn't tell us to disobey God. You know, obviously there's things like if they tell you to bow down and worship an idol or bow down and worship a, a king or whatever, Christians should not do that, right? Or if they tell us not to witness to other people, um, Christians should be obedient to God because we're commanded to spread the gospel. So, but when it comes to things that we might disagree with politically, like, for example, the federal income tax uh which some suggest is unconstitutional. Uh, but I think it's it comes in that same category, like when Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So I think that could be said, give to Washington what is Washington's. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think the federal income tax is corrupt. The federal reserve system is corrupt. But it's not something I'm willing to rebel against I mean, I'll I'll say it like just just now, and I'll talk about it. But I'm not going to not pay my taxes because I protest, you know, it because of a constitution or it's you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, you know, that's just an example. There, there's and the masks is another one, and I think there's a difference between protesting and speaking out than there is by blatantly disobeying governing authorities. Uh, so I think um, it's there's a difference also between uh, obeying governing authorities uh, and those things in which they command us that d- when they ask us to disobey God, then that's the exception. So, you know, if you're if they command that everybody bows down to a king and worship a king or or worship a false idol, then we don't obey that or if they tell us not to spread the gospel you know tell other people about christ we obviously can't obey that order because in the bible it tells us to to uh preach the gospel to all nations you know so yeah so in anyway the point is that i wonder if that verse that talks about women should not speak in the church is actually talking about another law and the and the point of the the verse is to uh, be submissive to governing authorities, and as opposed to a church law. So, I just wanted to to kind of use that as an example of the way that I think, and not to be dogmatic or to just believe something because that's what I was traditionally taught, or because I'm emotionally driven to believe something. Um, you know, and so anyway, that's just uh, a little uh, thing for me to spiff, spiff, <laughs> spat about. No, that's the argue. Um, anyway, I don't know the word. Um, just riff about. But before we move on to the main topic at hand, uh, I would like to share this heartwarming story for 
all of you cat lovers out there. Yeah, well, how is, how is life? I know besides thinking of uh, these news story things and stuff like that, you know, you're having a good time. You able to relax over the summer, have a good time? Am I able to have a good time? My cat just had a heart attack. Are you serious? Yeah, he had a heart. You ever hear such a crazy thing? No, I didn't know they got things like that. Yeah, they get a heart attack. So I got it off Steve Korn, this writer up at uh, uh, Sure, Saturday I know Live. him, yeah. Yeah, so he gives me his cat. Mm -hmm. Turns out it's some kind of a defective cat, you know? <laughs> so he's a nice cat and everything. I'm getting along with him. I come back to my apartment last week. The cat's like foaming at the mouth. He's shaking like this. He's uh -huh. foam coming out. So I didn't want to get near it. I thought maybe, he'd, uh, you know, who knows? He was delirious. Maybe he'd think I'm a mouse. So I say, I don't want to get near him. So I phoned 911. You know, I panicked. I phoned 911. Right, right. Which uh, turns out it's just for people. <laughs> I didn't know that. Didn't know either. They got mad. Man. They, were, they said that they would have me arrested if I phoned Oh, me. okay. But anyways, you know, I love this cat. It's a good cat. So I took him down. I, I, I got him in a cab and I took him down to the hospital, the, the animal hospital. Uh-huh. And uh, the guy tells me, he's, uh, my cat had a heart attack. He takes him away. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, he had cardiac arrest and stuff. And he started asking me questions about, like, <laughs> he says, uh, I said, what would cause that? He goes, you know, diet, stress. <laughs> stress? Yeah. No, he, had, he had a big promotion coming up. <laughs> so, uh, uh-huh. And then he, made, he let me visit the cat. Uh-huh. He says, you can visit the cat, you know. There's visiting hours. I go, all right. So you go in this room, and then they bring the cat in in a cage. Uh -huh. He's all drugged up. And then they put the cat, like, on a bed. And then they, they, the guy goes, OK, we'll be back in a half an hour. You have half an hour, you know? Uh -huh. so with my, the cat, like, for half an hour. So after five minutes, you know, I figured, I got a life to get back to. You know? So uh, uh -huh. we go out, and uh, uh -huh. so afterwards he told me he had a lot of. He said, "Okay, I could have, he could have an operation, which was like four thousand dollars, which mm -hmm. you know, I could buy like a hundred cats for that, you know." <laughs> but uh, then I figured, what the hell would I do with a hundred cats? So, right, right. So you so, you got the cat, you sprung yeah. for the operation. No, huh? I didn't. Oh, <laughs> no. There oh. was a, there was another thing where where uh, he's on medication, uh -huh. you know? And I have my medication, I have this medication. And he said, uh, he said, uh, he said there was some good news and bad news. He said the, the bad news was the cat only has like a 20% chance of survival. Mm -hmm. But he says the good news is uh, it's just a cat. Oh man, isn't that a heartwarming story? <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I grew up with cats because my sisters were cat lovers and I never was. So that's one reason I like that story so much. No, actually, I, I don't wish death on anybody's pets. I just uh, think that's a funny <laughs> Norm MacDonald. That was more Norm MacDonald uh, on the Conan O'Brien show. Uh, I don't remember what year, so I don't remember which show. Uh, anyway, now we go on to the main topic at hand. So I'd like to start by reading some passages uh, as an introduction to the topic of apostasy, which will be, oh, as I've said before, over many, over several uh, videos, I mean, sorry, not videos, uh, several episodes. Um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to start with Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in, we, in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And so this episode specifically is about uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. It's about, uh, in, in it's going to be actually Satanists that, or witches that are trained, highly trained to come into churches and, and cause problems. And their goal is to tear the church apart from within. Another passage that speaks more specifically to this is Revelation 2. Uh, verses 8 and 9 it says and unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write these things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive I know thy works and tribulation and poverty but thou art rich and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue of Satan now I want to clarify here you know, he says Jews, but, you know, you got to remember that for hundreds of years, for actually over a thousand years, 
the Jewish people were God's representation or the organization, the nation that represented God. And uh, this could easily be said, they say there are Christians, but are not, you know. Um, so I want to I want to state that. But I think it's specifically in Smyrna at that time. There must have been uh, Christians that were claiming to be Jew or people that were claiming to be Jews, but they were really these wolves in sheep's clothing. And actually, it states specifically here of the synagogue of Satan. And so I heard some of this. This is uh, we're going to listen to some Russ Dizdar now. And I, I remember when I first heard this and I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. I don't know. I mean, it seems like the way Satan would work. And I think. uh let me let me just say it this way. I don't know 100%. I've never met... Well, I did. I talked to Russ Dizdar for like five minutes. But I don't really know Russ Dizdar. I don't know if the things that he's saying are true in terms of his personal experience. Um, and I don't know 100%, you know, if this is exactly the way Satan works or if this is, a, you know... But I will say that when I listen to it, it makes me want to have discernment and to to you know and and i i pointed out these verses because this is a biblical thing that we should be uh watch out for we uh wolves in sheep's clothing so um i'm so i'll be straight with you i'm not 100 percent sure this guy is legit but it sounds like a legit thing um and even if he's not i i have a sense i've heard from several sources uh, that aren't necessarily related to each other about this similar thing. So here we go. Here's some Russ Dizdar and the video that I will post a link for. Um, you can so you can listen to it. Um, is called How Satan Infiltrates the Church. I was pastoring a larger church at the time. A knock came on the door, and a girl was standing on the other side as I opened it, and. I knew it was. It was someone that we had already uh, prayed about, had gone after, discussed things with. She had infiltrated a local church in the greater Akron area. She claimed that she was into Satanism. She had tattooed on her left wrist, War on the Saints. I saw the harm that she was doing and I began to counter the things that she was doing to that local church and began to talk to the pastor about it. In dealing with this girl, she gave me her book of shadows that described in detail how she was uh, infiltrating and working in this lo local church, some of the things and tactics that she used. But this day, she was at my church. I was pastoring a larger church at the time, and there she stood, and she said she had just stopped by to talk. I don't know how she got past the office. Somehow she would snuck through the building and came directly to my door. I let her come in with the door open and sat there on a couch and uh, began to talk to her a little bit, ask her what she needed, what was wrong, what was going on. And she talked to me ab about a number of things that day, and then all of a sudden she had to leave. And she left out of the building, and I stood there with a real weird sense that all the discussion and talk was a diversion, that something else was going on, that uh, there was some other plot afoot. So I went over by the couch and I knelt down my usual place to pray and I began to pray and I began to seek the Lord about it and I looked over to my right and stuffed into the side of my uh, creases of the couch was two black satanic power rings that she had wore and talked about. I mean, this is something that she believed that she was able to take and uh, charge or or demonize in, in ritual and, and have powers on. And it was objects she was going to leave in my office that was supposed to have demonic presence and power over it and was to uh, somehow influence me. She had come that day, and not to talk about anything, but completely uh, her reason was simply to leave those demonized objects in my office because I was uh, interfering with what she was doing at another local church. Let me tell you something about that local church. It began with her showing up and leaving little notes in the, in the 
offering plate, uh, pentagrams and different statements uh, coming from what she said was a Satanist. She didn't say who it was. I mean, she went forward in church and she went to the pastor and began to talk to the pastor. Out of nowhere, she showed up. And uh, she was needy and she was uh, uh, in a victim of, of satanic stuff. And the pastor began to deal with her and pray with her and deal with things. What they did not know uh, was how sophisticated she was and that she was sent that she was being used by the local coven also and that they had a target concerning the pastor and his wife in that local church when the pastor first called me about it and then told me where she lived I went over to see her and I knocked on the door and she came down I told her where I was and uh, as I explained a few things to her and asked her a few questions she became angry with me I said I was going to pray for her she cussed me out of course and she ran up the stairs at this local church she befriended the pastor, she befriended somehow, she became such a, an inside person there, she would come to the offices and she was helping out. She was at the pastor's home when he would get home from work, and uh, she was playing with the kids, she was involved in the youth group. Later she confessed how as an infiltrator she was there to seduce the kids with sex and take them off to some uh, black metal music uh, parties and eventually draw them into occultism. While she was there, the, the coven around was also putting curses and doing satanic warfare. She was eventually caught doing an actual satanic uh, ritual, uh, desecration ritual on the inside of the church building. It is true that that pastor eventually fell and, and uh, the pastor and his wife divorced and, and it seemed like that church was scrambled for, for a period of time. We confronted the girl and eventually she left the area and the amazing thing was is that um, on the outward this person seemed like they had great need and great uh, you know wanted help and everything else but as you began to observe and began to help uh, she was receiving none of it. It was all simply a uh, false presentation. It was a ruse. And this is what is happening in many hundreds of churches across the United States of America. It's been happening all across the board. The infiltration of Christian churches. Hey, this is Russ Dizdar from the organization Shatter the Darkness. We're found on the web, www.shatterthedarkness.net. And I'm going to tell you today about uh, an increasing problem. It's been going on for the last 30 years. And I really believe that there's been churches all over now that we've been called to many of them that have been blown out of the waters because of uh, these satanic, quote, chosen ones, or satanic super soldiers, who've been um, targeting churches and targeting ministers and targeting you know, local congregations to go in and to uh, literally do a, a satanic black ops uh, project on a local church to uh, bring it into confusion, to challenge its powers, and to see what kind of destruction and corruption uh, they can bring to a local fellowship. In dealing with this over a period of time now, we've seen the mode of operation. Like we're taught again in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where we're not to be unaware of Satan's methods, his schemes, my friends. He has a scheme, he has a method. We're not to be outwitted. But I'm going to tell you right now that some of the most sophisticated, highly trained satanic warrior monks are among us, and they're in our churches. If you remember the parable of the sower, and the sower goes out to sow the word of God, and individuals receive that word, and the wheat begin to grow, Christians begin to grow. And then the counter to that is the evil one comes during the night, and he also sows his word, and tares. And the tares begin to grow up right among the wheat. Infiltration of Christian churches. Now, listen, you might think church is all about just gathering together and worshiping and being blessed and, and hearing the Word of God and worshiping and having great friendship. You know, one, one man told me years ago, he says, listen, I don't want to know about any problems in the church. All I want to do after my 40 hours of work during the week is to show up at church and for church to be like a great sanctuary and just to be blessed and to receive God's blessing." And I understand that. I really do. I've been a pastor over 30 years and uh, pastored uh, four specific churches, uh, both large and small, tough and great. And listen, I've seen uh, many things in all those years. But in our um, work with the organization Shadow of the Darkness uh, for the last 20-some years, 
we have tracked this issue of infiltration. We have engaged those who have clearly infiltrated uh, Christian ministries and counseling centers and churches. And I'm here to tell you right now that there are hundreds of thousands of highly trained, satanic, they call themselves chosen ones. They have multiple personality disorder mixed with satanic ritual abuse. That's what the secular world calls it. What we don't realize in the body of Christ is that they were split, uh, human personality was split purposely. Uh, they have been trained on the inside with sub-level personalities, demonized, and uh, been trained over the years. A lot of training. Now listen, I can't go into everything about this. I've got a three-hour seminar called The Black Awakening all about where they've come from. There's over four million diagnosed cases of this thing people are calling multiple personality disorder or a DID, dissociative identity disorder. And I want to tell you something that uh, there's probably another four or five million undiagnosed cases. So we're approaching somewhere around 10 million. We spoke this out in 1992 and 1994 in seminars we did on spiritual warfare and on this very issue. And uh, it's hard to believe that there would be that many highly trained... I'm not talking about just Satanists that go out and, and uh, say a few Enochian chants and get a hold of Anton LaVey's uh, Satanic Bible. I'm talking about transgenerational, uh, highly trained, but highly, highly empowered uh, Satanic warrior monks. They've been placed. They've been placed in government, in military. They've been placed in law enforcement, in society, in educational areas, and they've clearly infiltrated by placement, by design, local Christian churches all over the place. We've dealt with them. We've been to church after church after church. I've been to places where we've spoke on this subject, and all of a sudden I've watched pastors and leaders and counselors and others look at me, and they begin to shake their hand, heads yes, and look at each other, realizing that the headaches and that the sickness and that the plundering and the things going on, the diversions and the divisions and, and everything else, the compromising and all the stuff that was going on in the divisions and, and everything else, the compromising and all the stuff that was going on in their churches was uh, by design. The check that they felt, uh, the, the perceptions that they were, give, were getting from the Lord were absolutely real. And uh, they should have been followed up. Let me tell you about infiltration. It's not a new thing at all. I mean, we can see this in the Old Testament concerning Israel and the battles that they continue to have back and forth with uh, demon-worshipping nations. But specifically coming to the New Testament. Coming to the New Testament, I mean, the nature of the church uh, tells us that it's engaged in a life and death, heaven and hell, a struggle for the souls of men. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now listen again. Jesus will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The idea is that the, the gates of hell shall not withstand the onslaught of the church. That means that there would be, though, a battle. That every soul we win and every advance the kingdom of God takes, uh, there is a spiritual battle. I mean, the Spirit of God tried to uh, speak to us very in very clear terms in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, that our struggle, our battle, even within churches, is not uh, flesh and blood, but there are spiritual forces operating and working. Now, we might understand this as an invisible war, but real. But I want to tell you that there's something even more tangible. The invisible war has recruited um, the human level. And that there are, well, Father Shefton acknowledges that there may be a hundred thousand covens in his book on Satanism. A hundred thousand covens in the United States. And uh, we should expect these kind of things through biblical prophecy concerning the last days. But let me tell you again, the infiltration is a satanic idea. Who would want to infiltrate the church? Who would want to go into the church and infiltrate it? And what are the reasons that anybody would want to infiltrate the Christian church? Uh, we were teaching one night, and a gathering had come from um, people from different churches, other places, and we were talking a little bit about this concept here. And all of a sudden, uh, a brother in Christ, some that we knew from another large church, a very large church, spoke up and he said, Listen, Russ, 
He said, uh, the amazing thing was that I was taken once to a meeting uh, at a Masonic temple. And I was invited to come, and, and I happened to come in to another room, and, uh, and by accident, he said, I think it was by providence, he said, I began to listen to some man who was speaking to another group. And as that man began to speak, he named my church. That man was in some what of the leadership of the church that I was at, but he was at a Masonic temple in a meeting telling the rest of the fellas the goings-on of the inside of my local church. The financial records, the different things with leadership, what the plans were. He was literally giving them information that he had, uh, that he had scooped up from our local church from the inside. And, and he was giving it. He says, I don't know what they were going to use it for. I don't know why they were doing it. But they were informing um, Masons concerning the ongoing uh, work in a local, very high-profile local church. thought I would uh, stop at this point real quick uh, because of him pointing out Freemasons. And this is one of the reasons why I really consider Russ Dizar as a possible legit um, person to refer to. And, you know, the connections, um, you know, we've gone through several episodes about, uh, you know, William Cooper's Mystery Babylon series and uh, him talking about how the uh, Illuminati or the mystery schools work and how they infiltrate things. And it, the, the last one I did is how they infiltrate the churches, how sun worshipers or mi- people in these mystery religions come in and take power in churches. And we'll get into more of those as well. But um, this is more interesting specifically of local churches, I guess, and not necessarily taking power. It's just more at the lower levels um, of how they first come in to to cause problems. So um, they do this in all facets of society. Um, You know, the Freemasons and other secret societies come in and, they infiltrate churches, they infiltrate politics, they infiltrate the banking system, uh, and many other movements that have been started by them. And so, uh, you know, so this kind of fits into the way they work. And I would even go higher and say the way Satan works, that, uh, you know, and it fits the scripture as well, where it says they're, uh, you know, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. So anyway, um, before we continue, I'm going to we're going to take a music break here and I'm going to play a song by a very strange, another strange indie kind of group. This one is actually a Christian, I believe, called Half Handed Cloud.
Once again, that was Half-Handed Cloud on the album called We Haven't Just Been Told, We Have Been Loved. And the name of this song is We Don't Know How It Grows. So uh, I will post uh, the YouTube link for this, but uh, I really enjoy it, his music. All right, so let's continue now with some more Russ Dizdar. In the Word of God, we remember the story in Acts chapter 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. And they had in their heart a conspiracy going on, and they, and they had a lie going on. And as a matter of fact, the word used uh, in, the, in the text there is, comes from a Greek word that means that they were going to test the durability of the church to see if they could pull the wool over the eyes of the church. If you read Acts chapter 5, you can read about Ananias and Sapphira, how Satan entered their lives and so filled their hearts that they would lie to God the Holy Spirit and uh, that they would allow Satan to enter into them for the sake of infiltrating the church to test the durability of the church and perhaps pull the wool over the eyes of the church. Listen, if you're a Christian, you've got to understand what Jesus was talking about when uh, he was talking about end-time issues. The number one uh, doctrinal issue was don't be deceived, don't be seduced, that, uh, that false prophets, false teachers, others would come in among you to deceive you in the elect, to deceive with counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles, whatever else, even deceive believers. Don't think that Satan will not show up in your church. You can claim all you want to. Oh, man, we've got a bloodline around our church that there's nothing going to happen here. Listen, if someone comes in that has demonic attachment, they're carrying that right into your body. Not that you should be afraid. I mean, Jesus was not afraid when Judas was there. Satan entered into Judas right there in the Lord's, that, that last uh, supper of the Lord's, uh, at the Lord's table. So you've got to understand the audacity of the enemy to enter in any place he finds an open door. And it might not be the doors that you have opened up. It may be the doors that are inside the highly trained satanic warrior monk, or super soldier as they call themselves, that have plotted out. And uh, usually, listen, for some of you listening right now, you're going to be saying, yes, we realize this. Wow, man, now we're seeing it. Well, you know what? You may be a year behind the origins of their plotting to infiltrate your church, to compromise your prayer and your pastor, your leadership, and to bring division and curse and to weaken your church and to, and to literally tear it down. Some of them do it to see how, how their powers are being worked and operating. Some of them do it for many other reasons, which we're going to go into in a few moments. But let me tell you again. Matter of fact, let me read you something out of Galatians chapter 2, down in verse... Um, this is down uh, in, in the second part of verse 4. Galatians chapter 2 says this. Well, let me read the whole verse. The, uh, this matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on our freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Hear it again. This matter arose because some false brothers, listen, False brothers had infiltrated our ranks. Infiltration has the idea that they're showing up. Uh, they're coming in uh, with a mask on. They're coming in with, with one agenda, an agenda that looks peaceful and nice, an agenda that seems that they identify with you. They're coming in. They're being a part of you. They're associating with you. But the truth is, on the other side of that mask is an evil agenda. They have a plot. They have a plan uh, to bring harm. And let me tell you something, in this case of satanic super soldiers, the chosen ones, cult multiples, whatever you want to call them, they are in churches all across the United States. They have targeted for years. Some of them have been, been in your Sunday school classes. We have found some that have been preaching in, in a church. Let me tell you about one guy real quick. One guy... We sent a team of our shatter workers down to this meeting. There he was. He was playing the piano and singing Amazing Grace. The crowd was clapping. 
listening to him. He could do it very well. He uh, got up and preached for a while. Then he began to prophesy and lay hands on individuals and go around. And all of the, all the folks there were clapping and applauding, and they thought he was a great charismatic uh, preacher and leader. And we already been we had been tracking him. We had six or seven victims of sexual abuse where he knew how to split and uh, program personality and. Uh, he knew what he was doing with all these different victims. He went by the name, I won't say his entire name, but Dan was the, the man. He's dead now. Uh, he's dead now in, in, in the context, though, of some saying that he's had up to 200 victims. He infiltrated the church. He played a role by telling everybody he was there to help victims of cults and satanic you know, issues. And um, he would take off, he would take some of these people away and and uh, and and meet them later and, and program them more and sexually abuse them and do I, I, I can't even go into all the details about what this means. He was one of the most evil men we've ever met. He could he could look so happy and, and so nice and he could be praising God and, and talking, you know, the talk. Matter of fact we played uh, we we did a little ops on him. We did a surveillance we sent a surveillance team to uh, oversee him because a, a young boy was missing. And it was told to us by the father that this man had him. And so we had found out where he lived. We had come right to the backside of his house. And we called on a cell phone. And uh, we had other people in the area. And we contacted this Reverend Dan. And Reverend Dan got on the phone and talked with me. I told him who I was. And I said, listen, uh, we are told that uh, this young man, this uh, 17-year-old boy, uh, you have him. And he's, oh, no, brother, man, uh, no, I'm a pastor, too, and, oh, we'll do anything to help, man, we'll be praying, and uh, God bless you, and we'll help you in every way. And he's talking all this jargon, and while he was doing it, the young man we were looking for walked out of a, a sliding glass door onto a porch to smoke a cigarette. He had the guy there with him. Later, we had another one of our guys contact Reverend Dan and meet him down at a restaurant. I was sitting the very next chair over by myself drinking coffee, and uh, they both came in, and they sat down, and uh, so his back was to me. And as he's talking with one of my workers, one of my fellow workers, he brings up my name, and he says, Oh, I know Russ Dizdar. Yeah, I've worked with Russ Dizdar in Akron before. And he's, and he's talking about knowing me and uh, working with me to my own worker, and I'm sitting behind him. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. He was an infiltrator. And his infiltration had purpose. And that was uh, corruption. That was uh, uh, sexual rape, uh, mental and emotional rape, and to unleash satanic harm in local churches. Finally, in the middle of the night, uh, I got a phone call, and someone told me to turn on the local Christian uh, television. And as I turned it on, sure enough, here's this man, Reverend Dan, telling testimony, all these things he came out of. I mean, he had the local Christian station completely duped. So we engaged the Christian station and told them all about this guy. They said, oh, yeah, we had checks. We thought there was something wrong, everything else. Well, they, they of course, canceled him from being on any longer. He was going to speak at a large convention uh, of, uh, of a charismatic uh, women's conference. And uh, so we contacted them, and oh yeah, there was people that had questions about him, but he was going to be a major speaker there. But we had to engage and say and tell who he really was, because we found out the facts. And we had, you know, up at that time, we kept the victims continued to grow. We eventually ended up with eight of them ourselves. I'm telling you about those who have infiltrated the Christian church by plot, by plan, by design. And they're here to do us harm. You may be listening to this by providence right now. You may have gotten this on the internet, and and you know you need to send it to a pastor, to a leader, to a to the head of the counseling center, to somebody within your organization, because there's somebody there among the group that doesn't seem right. They've kind of come in out of nowhere, and all of a sudden they're right in the center of leadership, right in the middle of all the staff, and things are going wrong, and things are going weird, and you get a, a check in your heart about this person. And the weirdest thing is that I'm telling you this, that they are the most sophisticated infiltrators uh, in history. They have tremendous abilities, my friend. Don't just sit back and say, well, God's going to protect us. Of course He's going to protect us. Don't you remember the seven churches of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, uh, 3, and uh, the, in those two chapters, we have the Lord Jesus 
confronting churches like Thyatira and, and Sardis and Laodicea. You know what he said to one church? That he's, uh, that he's got problems with them because they're tolerating a woman named Jezebel. She was a satanic worshiper. She was uh, in the church and she was misleading servants, actual Christians. She was misleading them through cultic teaching and perverse sexual um, uh, ritual and performances that she'd mingled, usually uh, left-hand path occultism always has a perversion of sexuality with it, because that involves dirtying the, the soul anyway. And so the seven churches also had the Nicolaitans. And uh, Jesus was dealing with those seven churches, and he commended one church for hating the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Because the Nicolaitans, they had no problem like the early Gnostics. They may have been somewhat the early Gnostics. And they were uh, had no problem uh, you know, coming in with a different Jesus and, and infiltrating churches and trying to teach a different thing and, and draw disciples out of those local churches and do a lot of harm. You know, we've read in Scripture, again, don't let anyone deceive you. We've read in First John, I'm writing this to you so that no one, uh, because of those who are trying to lead you astray, we're told again and again about the seduction of the church. Satan has no trouble infiltrating. If he can't find a hole in your life, in the, in the leadership of your church, then he may operate in and through those who are trained in the Luciferian system, the ancient brotherhood. And they're committed to this task because they have a long-range plan. And I'll get to that in a few moments too, but what I want to share right now is, is again, some of the stories. Let me tell you about one of the, again, a cult multiple, a person who had multiple personality disorder. The, the personalities inside were created from childhood on by design. Personalities were programmed to be priestesses, assassins, hunters, all kinds of different uh, jobs that they had. They were, of course, demonized, and there was cult loyal and, and runners and informers and everything else. Well, this dear uh, person that we were ministering to, as we began to really do ministry to and do deliverance, they did begin to tell us, and inside uh, personalities began to tell us and share with us about some of the things that they had done. Matter of fact, I interviewed this person on how they do infiltration. And this person was telling us, you know, they would say, Russ, Pastor Russ, you don't realize how easy it is to infiltrate the way we're doing right now. We can come in among churches, we can raise our hands and say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Of course, we don't mean the Lord Jesus Christ, we mean the Lord Satan. We come inside your churches and we lay our hands on people and where you have unchecked tongue speaking going on, where the... The, the, the gift of tongues in charismatic and Pentecostal circles is being operated uh, without any interpretation where you're allowing you know, to, it to go freely and whatever. We infiltrate and uh, we also speak in tongues, but as we lay hands on people and speak in tongues, they're satanic tongues given by demonic spirits and they're transferring curses and they're transferring other uh, satanic um, confusion and uh, warfare. Well, she went on to tell me about some of the infiltration. She talked about her and a part of her team that we engaged that also infiltrated the Jimmy Swagger organization. And she named another other a couple other nationally known places. It is my personal belief right now concerning the John Todd tapes and John Wesley White and what happened uh, with the Bakers and PTL involved, involved not only the sin of individuals uh, who did not guard themselves, but it involved a planned and plotted out attack uh, with these satanic super soldiers, a woman who would bring seduction and, and seduce. I don't think most of us realize that on the outside they can seem to be one thing, but on the inside are the personalities that are co-conscious, that are there prepared. They're doing warfare against you. They're doing warfare against your families. They wouldn't, they wouldn't hesitate if they switched and came forward to abuse a child in your church, to harm anyone else, to do curses and rituals against pastors and leaders, to do things right in the service. Well, we're going to tell you a few things more. This one individual told us about their infiltration of, of a number of places and how they did it. We know of another individual that in, infiltrated, uh, I mean, they were there for help, but they didn't get all the help. They didn't get completely delivered and completely uh, healed on the inside. They had cult, uh, that means uh, coven loyal, Luciferian loyal personalities inside still left. 
And uh, once again, we saw them as they infiltrated, got to the very top of leadership, got into the offices, preoccupied the time of the leader there, and uh, and uh, got involved with children's ministry. They did the same thing at a local church. Um, and uh, it's it's very covert and very stealth on their part. Let me tell you about another person. We have been doing radio programs for the last year across the nation with a number of different radio stations and uh, internet and local radio stations. And all of a sudden, an individual from Texas contacts me and and acts like a, a believer somewhat and and is discussing with me and telling me and and talking and 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 not too many of the audiences. You know, contacted me and said, "Let me call you. I want to talk to you direct." And uh, so we had let that occur, and there was a check in my spirit concerning this person. And we we did this again and again, and and we interacted with emails, and they wanted to send gifts. What I began to find out was that this individual, who I thought was a cult multiple, who was operating that way, uh, was doing the same thing with almost every single radio station that I had already engaged that I was uh, doing interviews with, they began to contact the leaders of those radio stations, those internet groups, and email them, and uh, they began to do the very same thing. So we had uh, done as we've done before. We had prayed it up and waited, and there was a certain day this person wanted to call again and engage, and they engaged in prayer over the telephone, and we engaged, and personalities came up. As I began to pray concerning the demonized uh, personalities on the inside and the demonization that was there and the wicked plot that was going on, there were certain uh, cult-loyal personalities uh, demon-worshipping personalities that came forward to engage me and to cuss at me and so forth. And this battle went on for a while, and uh, and I and I and I poured out uh, the goal of bringing, you know, again Jesus and deliverance and healing. And this person eventually withdrew and had to get off the phone. What they didn't know was the entire conversation and the entire deliverance and freedom encounter was taped. And they tried to contact other people. And uh, they got outed. They got found out. People began to prayer target this this individual and maybe a group that this person is with. And uh, nobody has heard from this person any longer. That's how they operate. They show up for a while. They seek to do damage. And then they will disappear. Then they'll be gone while all uh, everybody's fighting and all the different trouble is going on within an organization, within a ministry, within a life. And it takes a while to begin to track backwards to these highly trained and very sophisticated satanic warrior monks. These chosen ones, cult multiples, that are in and among our churches. And so I've been training on this for the last 10 years and telling people this is the first public message we're doing. Materials are being written and uh, will be published at a particular date. And we will do all that we can to warn the body of Christ. All right, so I'll wrap it up here. Um, there's a few things I wanted to point out. He mentions John Todd uh, a few minutes ago. He mentioned him, and uh, that's an interesting one, and I'll probably do an episode on John Todd later um, at some point, but he was an occult multiple, or at least he claimed that he had a lot of demons when he got saved that had to be prayed out, uh, like over fasting and prayer, and, um, you know, he was a high-level satanist before he got saved and so the i think one of the main things i want us to think about is a lot of churches become complacent or they minimize the power of the of satan and they think all they need is to get saved which is the starting point because obviously when people are are you know taken hold of by demons the only way they can be set free is through jesus christ and that's just the beginning. But, but some of these need to be done through much fasting and prayer, as Jesus stated uh, with one of the demons um, that he dealt with, or it was a legion of demons in a man. And he said some of these need to be done with much fasting and prayer. And in this case, some of it isn't always demons. It's multiple personalities, and it gets very complicated and uh you know, so, and I don't know how many, you know, how much the experts know on these things in terms of the secular world. Um, you know, I think some, in some cases, police are probably aware 
of these kinds of things. They probably deal with these kinds of things, but they don't really know how to handle it unless they are Christians. And Russ Dizdar claims to work with uh, police on many occasions. Um, So, again, I don't know 100% if this guy is legit, Russ Dizdar, but um, it seems to, to fit with how the Freemasons and other secret societies and, and things work and how the Bible describes how Satan works and the wolves in sheep's clothing and everything. So we will continue this um, apostasy st- series in the next episode, and I will start. I'm going to do kind of an historical journey towards different apostasies, the major ones, especially ones connected to mystery schools. Um, And the next episode will be about Kabbalah. All right. Thank you all and have a wonderful day. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hedrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction. <laughs>